I rather believe the unbelievable of God's word and believe a lie. Your humility is to take God's word as it is. When you speak in tongues and you misinterpret your tongues, this is Young Ecclesia Nation. Tongues and prophecy go hand in hand. These guys are the Holy Ghost. They are speaking tongues and they spoke in tongues. I don't care who. If this thing the Bible says it, I believe it. Let your heart be flooded with light as you listen to the word of God in ministration by Pastor Odudu Essien. God bless you. Hello everyone, at this point it's evening here. I just want to welcome you again to another segment of Musings with me, Mr. Essien. The last time we were looking at Timothy, um, specifically 1 Timothy chapter 1. This is a series we're doing where we're just studying the Bible or my personal study and the things that stand out to me I would also in turn teach and so we're um, looking at First uh, Timothy chapter 2. But before that, let's just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we lend our spirits to the Spirit of the living God. We ask you to have your way to open our eyes and show us what you want to show us today, that we may interpret scriptures correctly, that you may open our eyes and give us wisdom from the Word of God, Lord, that we would grow in this, Lord, and mature, Father, that everyone who listens to this would become more of a contributor to the body of Christ in in growth. They would grow further and they would become better and better as they see themselves in you in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Alright, so um, First Timothy chapter 2, now you have from verse 1. He says, Therefore I exhort, now please you should get your Bibles and if you if possibly follow through so you don't get lost in some of the things that we're going to be sharing so it says therefore i exhort first of all that supplications prayers intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men actually all this is just prayers the supplications prayers intercessions is simply it's similar words it's still talking about prayer really if you look at it it's still talking about prayer it says and giving of thanks be made for all men of course we know that giving of thanks is actually um, an expression of our faith when you give thanks to god you are it's because you believe it is a done deal you know um the bible would say believe that you have received and you would have it you see so with thanksgiving thanksgiving is actually a belief system is it's how you show you you believe you've received something the normal response when you receive it something is to thank the person if someone gives you something you ask for something and the person gives it to you you say thank you and so we thank god because we have received we don't wait you know to actually uh see things before we believe we've received no we have actually received you know the bible says in ephesians 3 20 that you know god can do exceedingly abundantly above all we may ask or imagine now according to the power that works in us he can do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or imagine now it means he he says he can do now according to the power that works where in us in other words the answer to prayer comes from us it comes from our inside so according to the power that works in us the power is already in us and so the answers to prayers are already available it's not something god is going to give no it's something that you you let me use the word you receive how do you receive by asking your asking is actually a receiving mechanism when we say ask it's not like when you ask god that's actually when he begins to answer you know because the bible says the power is at work already in you that power is already available in you and so by that power made available that is how 
answers to your prayers come. They don't come from somewhere else. They come from your inside. The power of the Holy Ghost, that, that generator that never dies on your inside is what brings answers to your prayers. So moving on, it says, for all men. Now, so it says, prayers and giving of thanks we made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Now, if you read just, just here, you will mistakenly think that what he's asking you to pray for is to pray for peace. That you should pray that you would live a peaceful and quiet life. You, you know, um, this has been interpreted in several places before as, um, you know, in a place you'd, you'd pray and pray for the, you know, the rulers so that there would be peace, you know, so that they would be peaceful and, you know, and so that Christians or generally there will be peace in the place so that they will be, you know, protected. Now, that is true in a sense because we have other parts of scripture where we say, in there is your peace thereof, you know. But here, if you look at, at verse 3, it says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Wow. So, in other words, what is the prayer about? Giving of thanks, the intercessions, the prayers, you know, how, and how will it result to peace? It is actually about them coming to the knowledge of the truth. In other words, coming to know Christ. In other words, the intercession here would actually still be about men's souls, about them being saved. The prayers here will be about men being saved, and it will actually be about people going to preach. Because obviously, you know, if you check uh, Romans chapter 10, let's let's just go there and we'll come back to Timothy. Uh, Romans 10, because some people just pray for people to get saved and they never, you know, look at the side of preaching. Look at Romans chapter... Romans chapter 10, alright? And here we are. So, Romans chapter 10, um, verse... Let's look at verse... Okay, from verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Now it says, for in him there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. Uh, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Obviously, this is self-explanatory. Now look at verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? Look at that. And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Can you see this? So it means that people have to be sent to preach the gospel. If you want people to be saved, they have to be preached to. So when we pray, we actually pray. When we say, okay, we want people to be saved, we are actually praying just like Jesus would pray in the four gospels. It says that the Lord, pray that the Lord send laborers into his vineyard. You know, pray that the Lord send laborers into his vineyard. That was what Jesus asked to pray for. You know, to send, or that word send would also be described as to push, to quickly push out laborers into his vineyard. And so, you're looking at a text here that is is really narrowing on preaching. When it says pray for them, it says intercessions. You need to understand what intercession is. Intercession doesn't mean you are now standing on the gap for the Because intercession has to do with sin. If you look in the Old Testament, intercession was always the idea that someone had to stand in the gap 
because of another person's sin. You get. So, for example, what you, you see Sodom and Gomorrah, and you see Abraham, he was an intercessor for that place. He was interceding for their sin, that judgment. He was trying to avert judgment. That's the whole idea, because of sin. Because you know, I I think in in the last uh, VN, the last the last uh, sorry not VN, the last one that we taught in First Timothy chapter one, we explained, you know, that um, um, the wages of sin is death, and all that. so sin will always attract death or judgment, and so intercession has to do with standing in the gap for people so that the judgments are vetted because of their sin you see they are sin they are sinners and so judgments are vetted but see you only find that concept in the old testament but after the you know the new testament and the new testament is not one page separating um was as it uh, was that last book malachi from from matthew no the new testament actually began in the epistles that is actually when christ you know when when the holy ghost you know came you understand it actually began in let me use the word book of acts into the epistles that's actually where the new testament that's the new covenant that we have in christ jesus amen and so intercession now the bible actually calls christ you know christ is actually our intercession you know if if we can look at a few um text maybe that would really help um, some people to understand just trying to figure out with my my device here because this is an unplanned um part um that would be intercession right yes inter <laughs> sorry this was not a planned part sometimes when you're studying the scriptures or teaching and all that god can direct you to something you know romans chapter 8 verse 34 he says who is he that condemns it is christ he says it is christ that died yea rather that is risen again who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. So look at this. He says, you know, he says, who is that would condemn? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that that is risen. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us? Are you seeing that? Now, he makes intercession, doesn't mean he's praying. They already explained his intercession that he's seated he's at the right hand of god that is his intercession you know the bible actually says that when he rose you know and he went and sat down at the right hand of majesty he sat down at the right hand of majesty now the the concept of sitting down when the bible says that just is seated it's not that he has a seat when he went to heaven he went and looked lord where is your left or right and he went and then sat down and said no no to sit actually is figurative of to be established in something to be placed in something so when we say he's seated at the right hand is established in authority right hand is a symbol of authority you know it, wherever i see right hand you the idea of right hand you, go, you know if you even say right hand man or the right hand man in government it has to do with authority so jesus is seated in authority right you know peter explained this in acts chapter in in the book of um acts 2 let's just <laughs> let's let's see what we can do acts 2 um he explained this very very clearly you know so we want clarity when we study the scriptures okay acts 2 verse 33 he says okay from verse 32 then this jesus has god raised up whereof we are all witnesses 
therefore being at the right hand of God, exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has shed for this which you now see and hear. So he says, being at the right hand of God, you see, he's in that authority, exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has shed for that which you now see and hear. So in other words, because he's seated, he now has the authority to give us the Holy Spirit. You see, because when he was, you know, he was with us, you know, he said in another text in the book of John, he said, is that this comforter is with you because of course he was in Jesus. But he says, now he shall be in you. Meaning that all of you will actually have the experience of salvation. The Holy Ghost will be in you. Amen. So now the point is, we are trying to point here is that, look, Christ by being in heaven, being seated at the right hand of the Father is our intercession. He is the reason. You know, he died for our sins. You know, intercession has to do with sin. It is a sinner, right? And there's judgment that comes on him because he's a sinner. What does Christ do? He comes and dies for our sins. He becomes the sacrifice in our place. He takes our sins away. You know, he has taken our sins away. And now, because he has taken our sins, the Bible actually says that he offered himself. Now, let's, let me just say this. I will explain this later, but take it at face value. Jesus died for us as the offering. You see, if you take the book of Hebrews, you'll actually see it. I don't want to go into that because they have to keep this, keep the time. But, you know, he actually died as the offering. You know, he died as the offering. And um, he rose again. Now, when he rose from the dead, you see, the Bible actually says that he went and offered himself before God. So he is actually two things. He is our high priest and he is the offering. He actually offered himself for our sins. You see? So the concept of being seated at the right hand of God just means that he is the offering. In those days, the high priest to make intercession for us would actually go into the most holy place once a year and then he would go with blood. You know, if if let me see if I can I can just find some text for you. I don't want people to think, you know, I want people to follow not without blood okay all right now hebrews 9 verse 7 it says but into the second that is the most holy place in the tabernacle or the temple went the high priest alone once each year not without blood which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people you see that? So he would go once a year, you know, and offer blood for the sins of the people. For the sins of the people. You see, he would offer blood. And of course, we know that that could never, you know, um, take away sins. It could actually never, ever, ever take away sins. The book of Hebrews actually says it could never, that thing that the priest used to do could never take away sins. Let's just say sins were covered, but it could never take away people's sins. But the high priest was a shadow. He acted as a shadow of the real thing. And so the real high priest is Jesus. Jesus now comes and offers himself. He is the offering. He dies and he is the sacrifice. Then he's also our high priest. The Bible also calls him our high priest. Um, in the book of Hebrews, um, let's look at Hebrews chapter um Okay, Hebrews 3 1, for example, says, 
who have for holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. You see that? So, you know, so he is our high priest. Now, if you look at verse, um, okay, verse 5, Hebrews 5, 5, so also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, thou art my son today, I begotten you. Now, Hebrews 5.10, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. You see that? So, you see he's our high priest. He is our high priest. Now, hold on. Okay, okay, yes. I think I'm there. I think it should be 8 or 9. Okay. Hebrews 8.1, Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. You see that? So he's our high priest. You know, one day we'll take Hebrews properly and it will be, be a feast. <laughs> Amen? Now it says, verse 3, For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is necessary that, that, this, that this man have somewhat also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things. So you see, basically, what uh, Moses ordained, which is the priest, the high priest, and all those guys, they were a shadow of the real thing that was to come. They were a shadow. They were not the real thing. They were a shadow. You know, I was still trying to explain the, the concept of intercession that's taken us so far away. But we trust God that uh, we'll get back, you know. Um... Okay, let's see. Okay. I think it's Hebrews 10 I'm looking for. Um let's let's just see. Okay. Yes. Okay, so look at this. Um well, I just will explain the concept of him being the sacrifice, right? You see, just from explaining Timothy, I have to go like around a circle to explain other things. It says, Hebrews 10, 1, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the commons perfect. But then they would not have been ceased to be offered, because the worshippers once poured should have no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance of sin every single year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Now, so we can see that what the high priest did could never take away sins. They used to offer this thing every single year. Now, verse 5, when he comes into the world as Jesus, he says, Sacrifice and offering you would not, but a body you have prepared for me. He's actually quoting David in the book of Psalms. He says, But a body you have prepared for me. In bond offerings and sacrifices for sins, you have no pleasure. Then, you know, so let's skip to... Um. Um, verse 8 above above when he says sacrifice and offering and bond offerings for sin you, you would not neither have you pleasure which are offered according to the law then he says lo I come to do your will O God he takes away the first that he may establish the, the second now what is the first he takes away he takes away the offering of bulls and goats and then he now he said you know he said the body you've prepared for me he actually talks about his own offering that like he is the you know offering look at verse 10 
He says, by which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So the point is that the animals that they used to bring were also symbols of the fact that Christ would actually be the real offering. You see that? But he is now the real offering that came. Look at verse 11. And every priest stands daily ministering and often offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. So look at this. First of all, he offered himself, right? That is the offering. He died for our sins. Now, he rose as a high priest. Now, because they said the high priest had to have a gift to offer. So he had now died. Now, who is the offering? Jesus. Who is the high priest? Jesus. So that means he offered himself. How did he offer himself? The Bible says he went into heaven and sat down at the right hand. Because in those days, they would take the blood of the animal and sprinkle on the mercy seat, which symbolized the presence of God. You know, so he went and appeared before God for us. So by him sit, being seated, it means that his sacrifice has been accepted. Do you understand? He has offered himself. He is the atonement. By him being seated, that's why the Bible says he lives to make intercession for us. He is our intercession. Amen. So you don't need to intercede for somebody. You no, know, you can pray for somebody, pray on person's behalf, but you cannot intercede. There is only one high priest that can intercede for our sins. You know, and he has already done it, and he, by him being offered in heaven, by being seated, he is our intercession. Amen. Glory to God. That just excites me, really. Now let's look. Let's go. So we now know that when he says intercession, really, he's talking about salvation of souls. Amen. So he says, verse three. That's Timothy chapter two, First Timothy chapter two, verse three. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men. You see that He is the mediator. How He is the offering. He is the one seated at the right hand of the God. That is His mediation. The man Christ Jesus, who gave Himself, you see, as a ransom for all, to be testified in due time. For which has appointed a preacher and an apostle, and I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Glory to God. Glory to God. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. So you see, this is just, uh, it's really its really exciting when you think about um, him being a high priest, him being our intercession. You know, so the point is you cannot intercede for a person. You can't intercede. What we can do is we can pray for people. We can stand in the gap for them when it comes to, because when you pray, power is actually released. That's what happens. When you pray, you can actually supply, there can be a supply of God's spirit to people. You know, Paul would talk about how, um, he would say, um, I think it's, let's, let's see, um, hold on, um, you know, he will talk about the supply of the Spirit of Christ. So let me see if I can find that. Okay. Philippians chapter 1 verse 19, he says, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of jesus christ you see in other words he's saying salvation there just means that he will be rescued from harm so you see your prayer actually is the supply of the spirit of christ actually is the supply of just say the supply of god's power whenever you you know pray for people you are you are you are putting a supply forth 
you're putting a supply forth and so we should pray for people but the thing is you cannot intercede for a person you know Hagen actually released a book called the art of intercession but when he understood this better he now released an, the, the same book but he now called it art of prayer because we don't intercede i hope that's clear to you amen i hope that's clear so now let's go let's go further now um so verse 8 it says i desire therefore that the men pray everywhere lifting up holy hands of course he already told us what to pray about which is souls or that it will be preachers said now let me even say this when you are praying that laborers that preachers be sent because it should pray appoint you should pray for people that they will be saved how that preachers should be sent to them but you have to understand also that part of that prayer you have a responsibility to answer that prayer first let's say you're praying for your neighbor for example to be saved and you're praying for him praying the spirit for him you should know you should preach to him also you should be the first line to preach to him and then you know you when if he doesn't agree then you can now pray that others should be sent to him people you know should be sent to him that he can listen to it was kind of and i said he you know there was a particular um it's the uncle of his that he wanted to be saved for a while but because of this familiarity thing with family he knew they would not listen to so he just knew by the spirit of god he should not preach to the man but one day he had been praying for the guy for years and one time the holy spirit just says why don't you pray i'll sense that you know that i'll send somebody that that he will listen to and he did that and the next week that guy got saved and so we must be very very precise in our prayers amen now let's move it says i desire therefore that men pray everywhere lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting you know so obviously it was it would be in context of what we just read wrath and doubt concerning salvation now it says rather than now it says in like manner also that the women adorn themselves in model or modest apparel that's modest clothes with propriety and moderation you know not with braided hair or, or gold or pearls of co- or costly clothing but that which is proper for women professing godliness with good works now let me pause here because some people here will think that paul is saying here that you should not look nice as a woman or that you should not you know here he said modesty he's going against extravagance you know or, or, or let me use what overdoing or dress to impress kind of things why i'm saying this is because if you look at um and that text so if you look at the other text you will actually see um I'll, i think the other text would be first peter chapter 3 and verse 1 first peter 3 verse 1 it's going to really help us shed some more light on what we're discussing um first peter 3 verse 1 Okay, over there, you'll see that it says here, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct. So notice that there's emphasis on conduct, behavior, first of all. It says, accompanied by fear. Now, fear would not be, you know, many times when the word fear is used in, in the Bible, it actually means reverence, in other words, reverence, or, you know, there's a sacredness about it, not that you're afraid of the person, you know what I'm talking about. Now, it says, do not let your adornments be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. So, it says don't let it be merely outward notice the word merely merely means it shouldn't just be about what sh- how you look on the outside or what matters on the outside the temporal things but it says rather let it be the hidden person of the heart 
with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. You see that the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. So you see, it there really what it's about, it's submission. You know, it's submission. It's actually character and that character, they are rounding it up in submission. And so this is something addressed the husband to the wife or the wife to the husband. Actually, it's in context of marriage. So if you come back to this Timothy, First uh, Timothy chapter 2 verse um, um, 8, it says, I desire therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. In like manner also the the women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing. You see, it's still the same context. Now, it says, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. So, it's still talking about conduct, not exactly that she should not wear her hair or she should not, you know, she should not look good. Please, women look good. Ladies look good. It's not talking about that. Verse 11, let a woman learn in silence with all submission. Now, this is where some people usually have issues. They're like, "Uh -uh, are you saying that they say women should just keep quiet? Now, actually, that's what Timothy, 1 Timothy 2 verse 11. I like using a lexicon, you know, from time to time, um, a Greek lexicon, because it helps me to see um, the original Greek words. Because your Bible was not written in English, obviously. In fact, English is is not the first or second or third language it was translated into. And so, sometimes to find out what a word really means, you have to go back into the originals to better understand it. And so, for this one, the originals, that's what verse um, 11. So, verse 11, it says, Let the woman learn in all silence and in all subjection. Now, is what you have known to know that the word woman there is a Greek word gune, and gune can be either a woman of any age or a virgin or a married woman. Now, in this context, let's see which one is most appropriate. Let the woman learn in silence without subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach, not to absorb authority over the man, but to be in silence. So, hmm, some will say this means <laughs> that no, you know, men are supposed to dominate women or something. But look at verse 13. For Adam was first formed before Eve. You see that? And so, it, this builds us out really context by context. It's called the law of context. Context builds us out. It's actually talking about, like, in the, 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 the environmental garden of this is Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve were married. So, it, in other words, it means you can go up to verse 11 and say, let the wife, not the woman, it says, let the wife learn in silence with all subjection you see that but i suffer not now suffer not means i allow not a woman that's king old king james i allow not a woman or let me use the word a wife to teach now to teach who nor to usurp authority over the man so in other words you know he's using teaching and usurping authority you know teach would mean to instruct to to explain things but also to instill doctrine to to is a strong word, you know, to impart instructions. So he she's saying that the proper way for it is actually that it's the man or the husband that will actually impart his wife with knowledge, not the wife impart the husband with knowledge. 
and um, if I've taught you, you know, if I've taught in several teachings and seminars, you know that um, a woman or wife, you know, the, the responsibility of the husband is actually, you know, to rule his own household. That's what the Bible will say that, for example, the qualifications of a, of a deacon or a bishop says that one that rules his household well. You understand? In other words, this guy, he's in charge of his household. He's the one in authority. He's the one responsible. And obviously that would extend to, to Christian responsibility of also, you know, um, taking care of his household in a spiritual manner, teaching them God's word, you know, being the shepherd of, of the sheepfold. Amen. All right. So Adam was first formed before Eve and Eve was, Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. And that's another story. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness of sobriety. So we'll probably discuss that at another time. But then you can see that this is so. This has been um, just an exposition of First Timothy chapter two, and um, I hope you're blessed by this. And well, let's see. We just trust God to keep doing this. Uh, if we can call them podcasts. God bless you. Have a great night.